thing. Are those my plates? Stop. Stop throwing everything. I can't. What What do you mean you can't? Poltergeist. Poltergeist? Yep, watch your head. You're being a ghost. You aren't even dead. Didn't you see that Emily Rose movie, you know, Poltergeist whoa, whoa, and really whoa, whoa, scary whoa, whoa, whoa. and they well, kill... hold on. First, not ghosts, demons. Ah. Second, it was less demonic possession and probably more a murder by two dudes in the Catholic Church. Hey, stop. Do you even know what happened? Come on, stop throwing things and let me tell you. This is a breaking news alert. We learned who the suspect... This just in. A homicide. Police now say they have a suspect in the case. Reporting lies in the murder... Got some breaking news. (laughs) My flatmate's a murderer. (laughs) Welcome to My Flatmate's a Murderer a horror comedy podcast where we get up close and personal with some of the most gruesome, strange and infamous murder cases throughout history. My name's Alana Mir. This week we'll be covering the death of Anne-Eliza Michelle. Murder or something more sinister? Let's get into it. Anne-Eliza Michelle. You may have become familiar with her from the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. But this is a true story. Anne-Eliza was being simultaneously treated for psychiatric conditions by her doctor, such as epilepsy, while also being treated by two Catholic priests for demonic possession. During this time, she died. But was it the demon that killed her that was possessing her at the time? Or was she murdered by the priests and her parents who let her starve to death during the exorcisms? This is a debate that still continues to this day. Anne-Eliza Michelle was from Bavaria, Germany, born to two devout Catholic parents. Her father, Josef, was a man suffering from PTSD after World War II, and her mother, Anna, was described as a woman who was an overbearing micromanager, stifling her children's social development. Anna was a mother who demanded perfection, and it was believed that she used her religion as a form of punishment and emotional manipulation to her children. Jeez. I mean, I think we can all relate to the parent guilt trip, but that's just extreme. I'm just lucky mine resulted in me eating less chocolate rather than something as extreme as this. At 13 years old, Anna-Liza was a good student, excelling at school, and was happy and healthy. But upon the age of 16, she blacked out in class into some trance-like state, and later that night experienced a form of paralysis in her sleep. She described it as something heavy pressing down on her as she struggled for breath. The poor girl was so terrified, and she couldn't explain what happened to her. She was symptom-free for a year, until one day at school and the following night she experienced the same problems. This time she told her mother, who took her to the family physician, who referred her to a neurologist. Anna would swear Annalise to secrecy because she feared the judgment of her neighbours and her own church community. Dr Lutie, the neurologist, found nothing neurologically wrong with Annalisa, 
but suspected seizures ailed her. She didn't prescribe anything as her condition wasn't extensive enough. Unfortunately for Annalisa, she'd be confined to her bed due to unrelated illnesses, pulling her from school, isolating her from her friends, and being placed in the care of her unrelenting mother 24-7. No privacy, no boundaries, no individual thought. Jeez. From being moved to hospitals, dealing with more doctors and having less control of her life, she became more depressed, isolated and withdrawn. Her third episode happened in the hospital where she was paralysed until she could scream for help. She woke the whole ward up and the nurses didn't even get there in time to see her symptoms. It was then that the community began to turn on her, claiming she was possessed or crazy, further humiliating her. Analyza began to have more experiences of sight, smell and overwhelming feelings. An EEG began to show irregular brain patterns, so she was prescribed anti-seizure medication for her epilepsy. She resolved her conditions enough for a doctor to send her home, but upon arriving, everyone noticed that her behaviour and personality was different. Her seizures returned, and she was off the medication she was receiving at the sanitarium. Her mother became even more controlling, which to be honest, I didn't even think was possible. Her return to school reflected her bad mental state. She had bad grades and bad class participation. The episodes continued and so did the doctor's visits and an irritated Annalisa began to consume vast amounts of Christian literature beginning to believe she was suffering for a greater purpose. Her mother, desperate to believe that her daughter wasn't crazy, believed that demonic possession was the culprit. Annalisa began to see demonic entities. Her family and church community believed that demons were tormenting her. The medical community still maintained epilepsy and extreme episodes of schizophrenic psychosis. She continued seeing neurologists and her medication changed, but her hallucinations got worse. Annalisa invested in the help of another kind, Father Ernest Alt. He believed that she was suffering from a form of demonic possession as he claimed to be psychic and telepathic, where he could just tell if people were possessed. Alarm bells here. I mean, he was possibly schizophrenic himself. It seems like Annalisa here just kind of can't catch a break. Annalisa began to see Father Herman, who for an extended period of time reported that there was no signs of demonic possession, but Father Alt would still, however, remain involved. Gaining disassociative personality disorder, she struggled to find reality and act like herself. Father Alt and Rents would conclude that she was indeed possessed by demons following no standardised investigation process, going off Alt's psychic abilities. On the 3rd of August 1975, Annalisa began an exorcism ritual process with the support of her parents. The exorcisms lasted hours. She began to stop eating and grew weaker each day, maybe even being denied food as part of the exorcism process. The course of religious treatment was secretive, and they never contacted a physician or took her to the hospital. Just over a year later, Annalisa died, aged 23. 
the physician who arrived to take a death certificate refused to issue one for natural causes. This was after noticing Analyzer was severely emaciated, covered in bruises with blackened eyes and had fractured teeth. An investigation into her death began. The post-mortem examination concluded that she died of starvation, which was aggravated by extreme exertion in the exorcism. Her inner organs showed no trauma of what could be caused by epileptic seizures, but this can be common among epileptic patients. The wounds on her body were never fully explained by the priests or her parents. The prosecution argued that she was misidentified as possessed, instead was mentally unstable and showed no clear supernatural abilities consistent with possession. The two priests and her parents were found guilty of negligent homicide by the courts. But... Was she murdered by the priests or unknowingly sentenced to death by her own mother and father who encouraged a psychosis with bad parenting, isolation and extreme religious content? Now the Catholic Church said the bishops screwed up and she was probably mentally ill. So the church didn't even back them up. Jeez, mm-hmm. that is rough. If you're going to go off demons, you've got to back up those claims, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I'd just stay away from that stuff. It kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. I mean, let's just stay away from that. It just seems like tempting fate, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I'm definitely not. <laughs> Very funny. Plates moving by themselves. That wasn't me. <laughs> um, okay, what? yeah, maybe we should we should just stay away from all this creepy stuff. Probably, um, yeah. probably the best <laughs> idea. Probably. Run. <laughs> Thanks for listening to My Flatmates Are Murderer, Episode 2, The Death of Analyzer Michelle. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Tumblr following the handle at MFAM Podcast. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud and Spreaker. Tune in next week for a criminal episode of My Flatmates Are Murderer. Catch you next week. (laughs) 